0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal.
1: everybody it's eddie trunk and it's time for another episode of the eddie trunk podcast coming your way thursdays podcast one.com spotify and apple podcast totally free thank you for downloading thank you for subscribing thank you for listening to the podcast it is greatly appreciated and may i say a very happy healthy new year of 2021 To each and every one of you, if you are listening to this podcast on Thursday, the day it posts, this is the final day, mercifully, of what has been the most insane year of my life in 56 years on this planet, and I'm sure for yours as well, and it'll be great to put it behind us. Uh, I think we all, unfortunately, myself included, make the mistake of thinking, well... The calendar's changing. It's a new year. Everything's going to be better instantly. And we all know that's unfortunately not the case. We're going to have to ride out this pandemic for a bit longer. But fingers crossed, better days ahead for everything and everybody. Healthy, happy days ahead. And uh, I wish you all the best. And have a safe new year. Celebrate as safely and responsibly as you can, everybody, given the times, again, that we are in. So final day of 2020 final podcast of 2020 here on post day and a happy new year to all, you know, 2020 was not done dishing out the bad news last week. Heard the news that Leslie West passed away at the age of 75. Leslie was a friend. I was in touch with Leslie very recently. Uh, He is a guy that battled some serious health issues He is a very influential guitar player and singer. He was in Florida at the time he passed away from a heart attack, but that I think was just the final straw in what was a large, long laundry list of health issues that had accumulated on him for a number of years. And like I said, I knew him. We had him on that metal show, I've had him on the radio show. He was even our announcer for a season of that metal show. If you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, when he passed away, I did post a photo from the set of TMS and uh just a great character too, a fun guy to talk to and a guy that was a huge influence on people like Eddie Van Halen, Michael Schenker and many others. So I talked extensively about Leslie on my show on Sirius XM on Volume but I did want to make mention of his passing here on the podcast as well for those that didn't get a chance to hear it. Speaking of my show on volume, as I tell you every week, the interviews you hear on this podcast originated on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, heard on Channel 106 volume, live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, with nightly replays, 10 to midnight Eastern and anytime you want on the SiriusXM app. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, and you are a Sirius or XM subscriber, please be sure to join me each and every day for Trunk Nation. You're only getting a tiny fraction of the interviews and stuff that we do on a daily basis on SiriusXM here on this podcast. There's also a sixth live show on SiriusXM on Mondays on 39 from 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, my terrestrial radio show is out there for you as well on various syndicated outlets. And finally, social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, and eddytrunk.com is the website. If you become an all-access member, you can get my terrestrial radio show, which has been doing theme shows. Uh, you can get that on demand anytime you'd like. So, what I have for you on this, the final podcast of 2020, is an interview with Brian Wheat from the band Tesla. I have always loved Tesla. Tesla, to me, is one of the finest bands to come out of the 80s. I remember fondly first time I saw them and heard them on one of the MTV countdown shows and just being so refreshed to see a band with great two guitars and great vocals and harmony and melody, great playing, and just looking like a bunch of guys in jeans and t-shirts kicking ass, which is what they were doing. And here we are all these decades later, and they're still one of my favorite bands to see still out there doing it. Brian Wheat, the band's bass player and co-founding member, recently released an autobiography called Son of a Milkman which it turns out is exactly what he is. Uh, Read the book. You'll understand more. The book is out now. I had Brian on my show on volume. I guess it was at the time you're hearing this about two weeks ago, maybe a little longer. And we spent about 45 minutes talking about his story and the story of Tesla, uh, his battle with drugs, his battle with his weight, uh, his battle with members of the band, And, you know, if you know anything about Brian, some people don't like him because they think he's a little smug or abrupt or has an attitude. It's really just the way he is. It's not, and he addresses this in the book, it's, um, you know, he's just uh, a, a very straight, very much a straight shooter. And I always appreciated that. I appreciate that in anybody. Somebody gives it to you straight and tells you how they feel and, uh, you know, is a no BS guy. And that's what I've always thought Brian was and is, and a talented guy as well. So the book is obviously very in depth on a lot of these things. And in the 40 minutes, 45 minutes or so of this conversation that you're about to hear, I got to what I could get to, but there's obviously so much more. And I would encourage you to check out the book if you are a fan of the band. I also want to remind you, this being New Year's Eve, my goodness, this couldn't be a more timely announcement. To be sure to check out Goody's Hangover. (laughs) Because it's New Year's, folks, and you might be knocking some back tonight. And tomorrow morning, you're going to need Goody's Hangover because it's got a powerful pain reliever. And a boosting ingredient, it'll give you fast pain relief and a boost of alertness. It'll help you battle the groggy, tired feeling that comes with a hangover. It's hangover relief at the speed of powder. And it's available at Walmart, Dollar General, Amazon, and other fine retailers. More info, go to goodiespowder.com. And we thank Goodies for their sponsorship. It is appreciated, and their product is going to be appreciated by many. Over the course of the next couple days, I suspect at Eddie trunk on Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook. Like I said, Eddie trunk.com music news there and much more for you to check out. As far as all the social media, Twitter is where I would be the most active followed by Instagram. So be sure to follow just simply at my name again. I wish everybody a wonderful, healthy, happy new year. And I now give you, coming up, our final interview of 2020 with Brian Wheat of Tesla.
0: The Eddie Trunk Podcast.
1: Blue Chew. Got a hard time taking pills? You're not alone. Get the Sildenafil and Tadelafil chewables by visiting bluechew.com yep that's the same active ingredients folks that is in Viagra and Cialis guys don't want to deal with uh, awkwardness maybe you want to make sure you get that little extra edge little something for you and your partner chewables from bluechew.com they're made in the USA they are chewable And it only takes a few minutes to connect with a bluechew.com affiliated physician. And if you qualify, you get prescribed online quickly. Online physician consultation, that's free. So it's cheaper than the other two. And it's chewable, and you just do it online. Make sure you check it out. And if all of that's not enough great incentive, cheaper, you can take them on an empty stomach. You do it all online. It's an affiliated physician. Uh you you know, active same active ingredients as the stuff you hear advertised constantly on uh TV and radio. All great, right? Here's a better deal. Go to bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code TRUNK TRUNK. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code trunk, T-R-U-N-K. Bluechew, B-L-U-E, Chew, Chew, C-H-E-W.com promo code trunk, T-R-U-N-K. If you need a little something extra, a little extra edge for your trunk, (laughs) I couldn't resist. bluechew.com. Five bucks shipping, bluechew.com promo code TRUNK.
2: Hey, this is JJ French, through five decades in the music industry, having sold over 20 million records, performed over 9,000 shows, and receiving 37 gold and platinum albums as a musician, manager, and record producer. I'm also an author, motivational speaker, marathon runner, inductee to the Long Island Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, guitar collector, and a founding member of a little band you may have heard of called Twisted Sister. Now I'm ready to share the secrets of my survival in one of the most vicious and predatory businesses on earth, the music business, in my new podcast, The French Connection, the Music Business and Beyond on Podcast 1. Get ready to hear real inside stories from me and my famous guests as they tell you how it's really done, not just in the music industry either. I guarantee that you will always learn something unexpected from successful survivors from many walks of life. That's the beyond part that I'm so excited about. Don't miss the French Connection, the Music Business and Beyond with me, JJ French. Tuesdays on Podcast 1, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This is the
0: Eddie
1: Trunk Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Brian Wheat of Tesla talking about his new autobiography, Son of a Milkman. Check it out on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Here's Brian. Brian, how are you, bud? Hey, Eddie. How are you, pal? I'm doing okay, man. I'm doing okay. Before we get to your book, obviously Tesla had stuff lined up this year, and you guys have been active, really active touring in in recent years. How have you done this year? What's been occupying your time since you've not been able to play shows?
0: Um. Well, I've just been upstate New York, hanging out. I I did you know that move to to up around Syracuse, um, and lately I've just been working with bands, producing them, um, the bands on my my uh, my development label. So I've been coming back and forth to California every other month or so, and th- that's really it. That's what's been occupying my time, and and now promoting this book is it got me busy which feels good because i don't like sitting around drives me crazy well,
1: before we get to the book is that where did you get it, any tesla stuff happen in this downtime i know there was talk and i know it's mentioned in the book about a potential box set at some point or any other you know i know it's challenging to try to record or write but is there any tesla activity that people would uh, know about or anything cooking for the new year well, I mean,
0: the we just put out that five man London jam thing, right uh, from Abbey Road that just came out when that Corona thing kicked in. Um, this year was meant to be just touring and and taking a little bit, you know, instead of doing a hundred shows, maybe only do seventy shows. We were going to do in twenty twenty. So we haven't been able to get together and, and write or get together and record or do anything. So nothing really. I mean, I saw Jeff. I had lunch with him yesterday because I'm in Sacramento, and I always see Jeff when I come to Sacramento. I haven't heard much from Frank. I think he's busy working with these young bands. He's he's yeah. doing his thing right now. Um, and Troy, I think he's in Nashville, and Dave's giving guitar lessons on Skype or whatever, but it's been kind of slow in regards to this box set. This thing's been done forever. The only thing is, is we've got to figure out with universal who is the parent company on, on all that stuff, you know, who owns what and what the deal is going to be. And, you know, the logistics of putting something out like that, because if you're going to put it out, you don't want to put it out half ass. Mm -hmm. So, it's there. I mean, it's, it's, it's been, you know, in the, in the can for probably a decade. We wanted to put it out on the 25th anniversary, so we couldn't get it together back then with universal and, uh, you know, maybe we'll readdress that, you know, this next year. Um, but, you know, in regards to Tesla, we're just kind of sitting around waiting to, see when we can actually get in a room together and and do stuff again.
1: Right. And the last thing on this before we get into the book, but this is talked about in the book is you, you have serious uh, uh, health issues that you've been battling for a while, which you get into Mm -hmm. in the book, autoimmune issues and things like that. So given the pandemic and, and obviously vaccines are starting today, uh, thankfully. So hopefully we're going to get to the other side of this soon. But for you personally, as somebody who is battling health issues, what do you need to see? How When are you going to be comfortable to go out there in an environment like uh, a gathering of a lot of people, uh, a shed show, or I see you all the time on the Monsters of Rock cruise environments like that with a lot of people, what's it going to take for you to feel comfortable going out there again?
0: Well, I, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll have this vaccine, and, you know, I, I think we'll see a lot of people probably wearing masks walking around, as well as we'll see people who won't wear masks because it's kind of a 50 50 thing, whether some people think it's as severe as they say it is or it isn't. Um, you know, I will say that they're certainly off on the numbers, you know, as as far as when this thing first came out, they were saying. You know we're gonna see three million deaths in the first three months, and you know so i I don't know I mean it's you know in a nutshell, this twenty twenty's been a real drag, but I yeah. will go out and play and and you know I will be careful i'll you know i I won't be wearing the mask on stage, you know, but I think if you see me probably out you know after the show or on the bus or whatever. I'll I'll wear a mask because obviously I don't want to give it to anybody if I got it or or get it myself. And someone asked me me the other day, you know, would you take the vaccine? And I I don't think, honestly, it's going to be a matter of will I or won't I? I think I'm going to have to if I want to go back to work.
1: Well, especially given especially given when people read about, you know, you disclosing what you deal with in terms of your health now, uh, I would think mm-hmm.
2: that,
1: you know, that, I, well, I think twofold, actually, it's probably a little difficult to determine, you'd have to talk to your doctors, I would think about making sure you can get it, and it is safe, given your underlying conditions, and then if it is, uh, you, you'd, you'd have to get it, because gosh, it could really compromise you if you went out there and, God forbid, got sick.
0: Yeah, I, I, exactly. I mean, right now I'm fine. I, I I've been you know I've been cautious and careful and and I'm okay. You know I haven't gotten it and I, I, I'm feeling good. Knock on wood. Um, but you know to put us back in that environment of playing shows and stuff, who knows? I mean, I, I think it's going to start with what are they going to do with the crowd? You know, how many people are they going to actually let in and are they going to have to wear masks and are they going to have to be you know uh, are they going to have to have the vaccine too? Or are they going to be able to come to the show and the performers? Are, you know, they're going to have to have the vaccine. I don't know. I think Eddie in three months will maybe know a lot more in terms yeah. of, of that. But on a personal level, I'm okay. You know me, man. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hard pipe hitting. <laughs> 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 you know me, man. How long you known me?
1: You know me forever.
0: Yeah. I, Almost you know, since I've, the
1: beginning. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm okay. I, I'm going right. for it. I want
1: right. to play. Good, 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 good. Well, do we need Tesla playing? We've got very few real live rock bands out there anymore. So I uh, yeah. always value when I get a chance to see you guys actually just plug into amps and really sing and play. And that's what it's about. So let me ask you this. Uh, the book, Son of a Milkman, it's out tomorrow. Is that the release date now? i think I think it's
0: Friday. I'm not okay. sure. I know it's this week, maybe it's tomorrow.
1: My crazy uh, I'm, life I'm, I'm, with I'm, tesla is is the is the subtitle of the book, and I gotta mm-hmm. tell you, uh, I loved it. Not only do I love your band as you know, but I love right. the fact that you you laid it all out i mean i've like I said, we've known each other for a long time, and you've always been a very straight shooter. Uh, Sometimes, as you allude to in the book, that sometimes alienates people or people uh, take it as, you know, you being a dick or something. But I've always respected that with people who are very blunt and forward and straight shooting. And you do that throughout the book. Uh, How long did you work on this? You're the first member of Tesla, I believe, to write a book about your history with the band. How did why did you think now was the right time and how did the opportunity come to you? Well, I think
0: it, I thought it was the right time because I turned 58 this year and I was getting older. And as you know, you've done me for several years. And there was, I talk about it in the book, there was a couple of years ago that I thought about resigning because my health wasn't, you know, that good at that point in time. And it just seemed like the right time to do it. When I was in therapy with Dr. Hirschkoff in the early 90s in New York, He had said to me, you know, look, with all these anxiety issues you have and stuff, because he was treating me for anxiety and depression back then, you should consider one day writing a book. Well, I was only 28 years old, and then we were only on our second album. So there wasn't really no story to tell, nor probably would anyone want to even read a book about Brian Wheat in 1990. So fast forward to 2020, Now there's this long story to tell of this guy that's been in a band for 37 years, right? And on top of that, the things that he's gone through to, and also managed to stay in a band, a very hardworking band that plays a hundred shows a year. So it was pointed out to me by, by Mike Kobayashi, our manager, When I first started the book, it read more like an interview, right? And it was more of a chronological order of maybe the history of Tesla and a few things about me when I was a kid, but I didn't divulge any of the health issues or the anxiety or the, you know, my problems with weight or, you know, the bulimia stuff or any of that. That came in the last draft of the book. he said to me, he said, look, why write a book that's just like everyone else's where you sit there and you talk about the fights and the drugs and, you know, the booze and this, that, and the other, why not go deeper than that? Because he knows me as well. And he seen you know, me doubled over on the bus, you know, before I have to play a show or whatever, my colitis is going crazy. And he said, are you, would you be comfortable talking about that stuff? And I went, well, you know me, I, I'm a straight shooter. I, I, I don't know how to lie very well. So, yeah, I'll do it. I, you know, sure, why not? And it just presented itself at that point in time to, well, okay, then let's do it. Now's the time, you know, as I approach 60 years old.
1: Well, we should tell people, though, that although you bring all that stuff into the book, you also do talk about the fighting and the drugs and the alcohol and well, all I that stuff. About, so- I talk about everything.
0: Yeah, I talk I I talk about, you know, Tesla and the fights and the drugs and the ups and the downs. And and, you know, I talk about my personal life and pre Tesla and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's very much. But it's not. I tell people, I say, look, this is how this is my view of how I remember how it went down in Tesla If you were to talk to Frank, he might have a completely different version of what I'm saying. Or Jeff, you know, certainly Tommy will have a different version from what I'm saying, you know, but this is just this is how I remember it. It's not the law. It's not, you know, the definitive book on Tesla. It's just my view of 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 how I saw it and how it affected me
1: well uh, and that's that's every autobiography like if you like all the four original members of kiss wrote wrote have written books, and every one of them has a different slant because that's their view on it. I think by now most people if they don't should realize that that that's always going to be through your lens through the way you saw it and the way you interpreted it, so and you do say that in the book you you do lay it right out so let me let me run down some specifics in the book because being a lifelong fan of the band uh there yeah there's i've been some, waiting, some...
0: I've been waiting for to do this interview with you because you are <laughs> such a lifelong fan, and I know you're going to ask me anything you want to, and I'll answer anything you ask.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, but there's there's things in here that as well as I know you and the band, there were some things I didn't know, like you've always alluded to me about dealing with health stuff, but I was never completely clear on what you were dealing with. And that that's in here. But what I was stunned about is when you guys got signed to Geffen, here you are getting signed to Geffen Records you have major management throughout the bulk of your career, and like the he- most heavy-duty guys still to this day, heavy-duty guys in Cliff Bernstein, Peter Mensch, Q Prime, Metallica at the time, Def Leppard, I mean, every ev- all the major rock acts these guys had, and they still do to this day. Mm-hmm. You're not with them anymore, but they do. But you've got all these things going for you, all these things lined up, and you talk about how it was difficult to find somebody who wanted to produce the first album to produce mechanical resonance that producers were passing on the band. I would think Geffen records, Q prime management, new young rock band. There would have been people knocking down your doors to, to want to produce a band like you guys. Why was it difficult to find a producer early on?
0: Don't know. I mean, Look, Rick Rubin passed on us. Peter Collins passed on us. Max Norman passed on us. Mutt Lang passed on us. Bruce Fairburn passed on us. Uh, then we worked with uh, Jim Faraci and Chaz Sanford. And Jim Ferracci did the rat, you know, the rat first engineer, the first rat record. Jim Sanford wrote Missing You with John Waite. Everyone passed on us. They they didn't think we were very good, I guess. I, I don't know. Um it's funny because when I Peter Collins was doing uh, my first wife, Sandy Soraya's second album, he said, I sh- I, sh- I regret passing on you. I should have did that, you know, your first record. And I went, no, don't regret that, because it wouldn't have came out the same way. It was meant to be how it was. So, you know, Tom t- tries telling the story, Tom Zutat, that he, he literally had to get, he got down on his knees and begged Steve Thompson and Michael Barbiero to, to produce the band. If you ask Tom, he'd say that that's what he did. But, you know, they, they passed on us, as as did every other record label. So it's just, you know, I, I, it's just part of the story that I felt I should say. You know, look, look, it was never easy for the band. You know, we weren't like, you know, we always were pushed up against the wall and had to work hard.
1: Mm. where you you talk about uh, you have issues with the first record sonically even though it was successful the reverb on it is is too much for you you don't like the way it sounds sonically and yeah. that you'd like one day to be able to remix it was there any mm-hmm. bit been any headway towards that have you ever made any real strides towards i imagine universal owns the master uh, to talk about wanting yeah. to go in and, and remix it well, or is that something that could yeah, be in the yeah. box set well you never know. Me and Steve
0: Thompson talk about it all the time when we when we talk. Even he says, Oh, I'd like to remix it, you know, there's too much reverb and stuff and and am like, Well we should do it. Let's do it. So if we do ever get to this box set thing, you know, maybe it would be uh something that would be nice to include in the box set and you know, I've never thought of that and you know what, that's a great idea, Eddie. I think I'll take that to the forum and and see, you know, then then that'd be great because I would love to redo it with Michael and Steve. And, you know, because I always say that so- Psychotic Supper is the most representative album of that time. You know, those first four or five through busted Up of what the band actually should sound like. I think we nailed it on, on Psychotic Supper. And I think we nailed it again on Into the Now. Those two records I think are really good snapshots of how I, uh, how i think we sound um so um do you do you have the
1: brian do you have the masters because you know your masters are owned by universal we know there was that big fire do you know if the tesla yeah, stuff well, survived I'm
0: told that i'm told that you know our stuff was destroyed in the fire but i don't know it if was. was the actual yeah i'm I and mean, i don't know if it was the actual masters as well or if they were backups or or what but troy says he has a a reference copy of of the multi-track of the first album, because it was only done on 24 tracks. It was only on one one tape machine. Then everyone Mm. after that was on two tape machines hooked up, and I think Bustin' Out was on three tape machines at some point in time. Um, And then we went into Pro Tools, where you could just have unlimited tracks if you wanted to. So um, if Troy has it, that'd be a nice thing to do. I'd love to do it.
1: Yeah, you talk about, speaking of Troy, another thing that really jumped out at me early on is the fact Mm -hmm. that, and I love Troy's playing, I love watching Troy play with you guys, I love the pocket he lays down, I love how he hits the drums, he's always been, I've always enjoyed watching him play and obviously hearing Mm -hmm. him play. But early on, uh, you guys talk about having some issues there to the point that there was uh, the, the I guess it was the producers, Thompson Barbiero, toyed with the idea of bringing in Tony Thompson to play drums on the first record.
0: Yeah, I mean, we didn't have an issue, personally, not the band. I think Thompson and Barbiero had an issue. So, you know, Thompson and Barbiero, I remember there was a few conversations, you know, between uh, Zootad and my... You know, obviously, I I I, I got to... I was in a lot of those conversations because that was kind of like the key guide between the management and the band and, and Tom. And, you know, as I recall it, I remember Steve Thompson and, and Michael Barbero mentioning, you know, well, we'd like to bring Tony Thompson and that, that's the uh, power supply guy. Right.
1: Well, he was from Sheik, originally Sheik yeah. power station but a, a, a tremendous drummer like amazing pocket guy yeah. uh, he passed away a number of years ago, but he played uh he played with one of the zeppelin reunion shows i mean right, um, you know, right. Great yeah, no, player yeah. but i don't I don't see how like it just was was troy not the player then that he is now
0: i I don't think he i think he was fine i think that this was something that again that you know this was another obstacle we had to overcome. Because this was one of the things that Thompson and Barbiero were saying before they they uh, i think agreed to produce the album you know they were saying right. well we we want to bring in tony Thompson you know and and we we said no, obviously, Troy's on the, every lick of that album, right. so um you know i and like I said in the book, I don't even know if Troy ever knew it, but you know he does you know, now. <laughs> now, now he does i mean you know it's a, you know
1: maybe he knew I don't know. Yeah, you have to ask so him. I mean, so you, I'm sure I'm going to hear from him once he read it. Well, has anybody in the band read the book, or do they have it, or have you heard from anybody about it? I know it's not out till tomorrow, but there's advances out. If has have as have the other band members gotten it? No,
0: no, I didn't give them to him. I mean, Jeff okay. told me write whatever. Jeff said, "Look, Brian, write whatever you want. It's all true." Okay, um, Frank. Um, I did run one thing by Frank that I, that I put in the book cause I wasn't sure, you know, how comfortable he'd be having his kids read, you know, that me and him were doing this big bunch of cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time. And he was like, yeah, it's fine. My kids know, you know, it's no big deal. Troy. I, I didn't, I didn't hand the copy to, and, and Dave, I didn't. And, and Tommy, I don't speak with. So I certainly, you know, didn't send it to him. Um, so no, they haven't read it, but I asked ask you last night and I gave him a copy.
1: Oh, okay. Well, let yeah. me ask you this about the early days as well. That, that is, um, I've always thought, and it was one of the things beyond the music that I first connected with when I first saw Tesla. I, I told this story many times that the first time I heard of you guys and saw you guys being on the East coast was when you popped up on one of those MTV countdown shows with modern day cowboy And here's a band uh, at that time that checked every box for what I was into, Two, two great guitar players, great vocals, melody, hard rock, everything. Just the band just, and it jumped out at me, not only the music when I heard it, but the look of the band that I said to myself, wow, in this time where everybody's trying to look prettier than the next and these crazy outfits and the stuff that was going on visually at that time, here's a band out there, Playing in jeans and T-shirts—that's just like a real, honest to goodness rock band with none of that uh, stuff going on. Was were you ever were you guys ever pressured early on coming out in the mid-eighties uh, with all this stuff you had behind you, Geffen, and management, everything? To pretty it up, did you ever get pushed to put on the eyeliner and poof out the Absolutely. hair and put on costumes? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did early on, and I think there's a a, a photo shoot somewhere flying around. I don't, I don't know who did it um, with us with the teased hair and makeup and all that stuff. And we just went. We went. This isn't us. And Peter and Cliff said, "No, man, that's not you." And you know that had a double edged sword to it because I also say, like, look, we never got any covers of any magazines. We didn't get a lot of press. Because we didn't, you know, we weren't putting on the costumes and all that stuff. So we weren't a real image kind of a band. It was more, you know, we were we were judged more on our, our, our music, I guess, than, you know, none of us were out. You know, and we weren't great looking guys, um, you know, that, that, you know, you could put on the cover of Cream or Circus or Hit Parader. We only got one cover in our whole career. And a uh, lawn friend put um, Jeff on the cover of rip when we put out psychotic supper and he's got this army helmet on and he, he looks thrashed. It's, <laughs> it's great, you know, but uh, there was never no image thing because we kind of resisted it. And we just kind of stayed true to what we were, what we thought we were, which is what we still think we are, you know, and we just, we just didn't do it And uh uh, not that I'm knocking anyone that did, you know what I mean? No, me a neither. Of those bands, yeah, but it's just they tried it early on. We did one photo session that way. We went no Pasadena and uh we just went back to doing what we what we do normally do.
1: Yeah, I think I think it, although at the time it may not have seemed like seemed like a big deal, I think it was a very Very bold move to make. And I think in retrospect, it it probably helped you guys out a lot because you were viewed as a a real, just American straight-up hard rock band versus uh, being pigeonholed, even though for years I screamed at people when they would put – because I hate the term hairband. But when people would put you guys in that categorization, I would would say, what are you talking about? Tesla does not belong there. I've said that forever because you never – Fell into that, even we, though we, you always are going to get associated with it. Yeah, I mean, I tell people
0: we were more like the Black Crows in the sense of, you know, they never called the Black Crows a, a hair band, and they came out right. a year later, and you right. know, Chris Robinson looked prettier than Jeff Keith ever did. Um, right. It, it's just the way they use that that term in a condescending way. Totally. That's yeah. the that's the thing that gets under my ass is they say it condescending. And, and and it's like, well, why you gotta be condescending about it? Almost like they're trying to discredit the music. And look, there are great bands and great records that were made that are considered hair bands. So, you know yes, completely I, think I agree it's completely. B- bullshit the way, you know, whoever, you know, the press or whoever, you know the hipsters, if you will you know, yeah. wanted to call and they called us butt rock too. <laughs> I
1: never heard that.
0: Yeah. I remember we went up northeast and we were on tour uh promoting Bust a Nut and we were up in Seattle and Portland area or whatever and we were playing, you know, places on our own larger theaters and, and did quite well and they were like, Yeah, usually butt rock don't do good up here. <laughs> Everybody so like, needs oh, a name okay, for butt something. rock. <laughs>
1: ridiculous speaking of photos speaking of image and speaking of visual the other thing that you're pretty you're really open about in the book and something i can certainly sympathize with having you know battled my weight over the decades is your weight and your image and you being the quote-unquote fat guy put him in the back of the pictures. You know, it's uh, you mm-hmm. tell a story early on where your manager or whatever said it's okay. He's not the singer. Just put him in the back uh, during the first photo shoot. There's a, f- a phenomenally funny story about the first time you did a, sh- a session with your friend Ross Halfin and the in New York, and the hooker comes by. But read that in the book; it's fantastic. But yeah, the that's, way-
0: that's the photo session. He told him, you "Just put him in the back. He's not the singer." <laughs>
1: Right, so that so you you are very like I said you're you're honest about everything in the book and you lay it out there that that's always been a battle and what I found interesting which I didn't know is you attribute that the the roots of your weight problems which are now a lot connected to your health problems that you're dealing with well, but um, but back then yeah. you attributed it to you you used to work in a McDonald's and it was the first time you had like free reign on food and you just ate a lot of junk food early on as a kid.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, from the time I was like, I think I was 21 or 22 when we made Mechanical Resonance. So from, you know, I, I from the time I was like 18 to 21, 22, I was, you know, had access to all this McDonald's food, which I never got as a kid because we, we couldn't afford it. So I, I went kind of, you know, like a kid in a candy shop, I went kind of nuts. And it was when Mitch said that, you know, put him in the back. Um, you know, he's not the lead singer. Then I went away after that photo shoot and we were gone for six months before we started the David Lee Roth tour and I lost 80 pounds.
1: Yeah. And you talk about how you did that. Yeah.
0: He he pissed me off. And then once I got down to that weight, I struggled keeping down at that weight. And that's when I developed this kind of bulimic thing, you know, for four, four years of, of my career. You know, up until probably bust a nut, and then I stopped that. And I was fine until 2001, and then I developed uh, autoimmune disease and colitis. And then I don't know people if they know about colitis and autoimmune disease, but the only thing that really combats it is Prendizone. So I spent four years on Prendazone, which put all this weight on. So now my weight goes up and down, up and down up and down, de- depending on whether or not I'm taking Prednisone, And then the actual drugs, the daily drugs I take for the autoimmune disease kind of keep weight on you anyways. They make it kind of ha- much harder to lose weight. So it, it's a struggle. I mean, I'm constantly, you know, that's why you, you know, you'll see me one year, I look rounder, and the next year you go, oh, Brian, you look better, you lost some more weight. It's just, it's up and down for me.
1: Right, right. Brian Wheat is my guest. The book is called son of a milkman. We're just scratching the surface on all these amazing stories that tell of his, uh, his life story early on. And also a bulk of it about his, uh, his time as a, as a member, which is still, still happening, uh, with uh truly great band Tesla. Um, everything's in there, the good, the bad, the ugly, and you definitely want to check it out. But in the remaining minutes that I have, there's two things I want to ask you about. Uh, uh, you talk about the drugs, you talk about the issues and how it manifested itself, the alcohol and all of that within the band you talk about for drugs. It's something you got into much later. And obviously you talk about the fact that for Tommy Skio, it was his undoing in the band. You, you talk about the struggles that you had with him, um, giving him opportunities to come back, even playing as a single guitar band for a little bit, which I actually saw one of those shows. I, I was at Irving Plaza in New York, I watched you play standing with your manager, Cliff Bernstein. And as much as I love Frank, I'll never forget Cliff turning to me and saying, what do you think? And I said, I think they better find a second guitar player because they're great. But all of this stuff was built on two guitars. And as great as Frank is, you missed that other guitar. So we so you, mm-hmm. you cover the Skio stuff in the book as best you can. But you mentioned earlier you don't have a relationship with him and you don't talk to him anymore. Was it difficult for you to write about him in this book? Because there were a couple times in reading it where you allude to a member, but you don't name the person. Was that because of, uh, you know, I mean, I was reading between the lines that it was Tommy because why else wouldn't you name him? You named everybody else. Did you have to skirt around some stuff with Tommy in this book?
0: Well, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I had to skirt around it. I, 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 it's funny. I, I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm wondering, trying to think what number I, I may have said it was. Or may, you know, it, it could may have been, been a... around
1: the time of the Last Action Hero soundtrack or something you mentioned. Right. It was the one time you don't um, name the person. Well,
0: look. Um, Maybe because it, maybe it wasn't Tommy at all. Maybe it was Jeff or maybe it was Troy or maybe it was Frank. Maybe I just didn't want to name who it was. It's probably why I didn't say who it was. Um, In terms of, did I skirt around it? No, I just told, I tried to keep my points on Tommy, you know, factual things he's already said. I mean, he sold everybody. He was kicked out of the band because of drugs you know, and and so that's you know that's what I say. He was kicked out of Ben because of drugs. I also go on there and say, look, at a time when he was great, he was great. You know, when he was firing on all cylinders, he was great. You couldn't ask for a better guy than him. But when he lost his way, he was awful. It was horrible. And uh, you know, I kind of just it's it's tough with me and him because. I feel like me and him go back and forth at each other in interviews sometimes. And it's kind of childish. And I think I even say that in the book. I say, look, I've said things about him. He said things about me. Some of them weren't out of spite. Some were out of, you know, anger. But, you know, when he was good, he was good. And I wish him all the best.
1: Why don't you have a relationship with him now? You said you don't talk to him. Uh, what, do, you, do you ever hope to mend that? Do you think he's changed? Do you think he's better? No. Would you ever like no. to have a relationship with him?
0: No. Not because really. you don't think uh, he's better? No, it's not It's not that. It's like, look, I, I went around the, the world twice with him. And, you know, he, he said some pretty nasty things about me. And has attacked, you know, attacked my bass playing, and called me a fucking elephant, and you know, shit like that. Um, I just don't think he's a very nice guy, you know, personally. And I don't know if I can get in trouble for saying it, but this is my personal view. I, I me and him, just don't. We don't jive. So I, I don't. I don't hope to ever rekindle uh, that relationship with him. I, I tried. I mean. You know, what he doesn't talk about is the whole time he was back in the band, you know, as he takes pot shots at me, the whole time he was back in the band, the second time, he stayed with me and Monique every single time. He stayed in my house with me. He didn't stay with Jeff. He didn't stay with Frank. He didn't stay with Trey. He stayed with Brian and Monique. And me and him were great. We were fine. And then, you know, when he gets out of the band the second time, again, he starts taking shots at me. And maybe it's because I'm the one guy that calls you out on your shit. But, you know, I'll say this on your show to the world. I am not responsible for him being kicked out of the band. He was voted out of the band unanimously by Jeff, by Troy, by Frank and by Brian. And by, you know, Tom Zutat, who was our manager at the time, everyone agreed that it was time to make the change. So he targeted me as he, as he does. And I've heard him say to people, you know, he was the scapegoat, this, that, and the other. He wasn't the scapegoat. I mean, it is what it is. It, it's, it's, you know, sometimes things just don't work. I mean, we've been over backwards to try to keep him in the band and it just got to a point where we couldn't do it anymore so that's the business issue of it right the issue of do i ever want to you know be friends with him again no because obviously the friendship i had with him wasn't real to begin with i mean look you have fights you have arguments with your brothers and i consider frank and jeff and troy my brothers but it's never gotten like it did between me, with me and him. And you know, mm-hmm. basically him coming at me all the time, you know, making it like I mean, you know, you've talked to him probably several times and you've probably talked to him off record and he targets me and 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 it's just why why would I want to go back to that?
1: Well, he's never really done that with me because he probably knows how much I love the band and love all you guys. So I've never really had that experience with him myself, but I you know, I can appreciate where you're coming from on it. I'm 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 running out on on time here, but I got to ask you about this. Somebody else from your past who you do still have a close relationship, interestingly enough, in the book is your first wife who you mentioned earlier, Sandy Serray. And mm-hmm. now for people who are uh, hardcore 80s rock fans, I still get a lot of questions people ask me about Sandy. She's from where I live, New Jersey. Um, and you mentioned you helped her get a deal or you helped her get signed up with Q Prime. When I look back on her story and, and, and she's you have a photo of her in the book, you say your current wife and you and her are still friends. I think that's wonderful. Why do you think she didn't make it with those two records? She had Polygram, she had Q-Prime, which you said you brought into the picture. Why do you think it didn't happen for her? I always thought that because love was taking its toll it, and all that.
0: I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why, and I, I used to tell Sandy the same thing. The style of music she was wanting to play and she was playing, I thought was very hard for a woman to front a hard rock band like that, to the kind of success I felt she could have had, had she been singing stuff like Pink or Celine Dion or you know uh, Lady Gaga, I think Sandy would have been huge because she's amazingly talented. She's a great singer, but I think it was difficult. You know, I think it's just difficult for a woman to front a hard rock band like a Tesla or Aerosmith. I mean, yeah, sure. Chrissy Hines has been very successful, but that's more Americana sounding mainstream rock. It's not like, you know, Aerosmith's kind of harder, harder hard rock, if, if you will. And I think maybe that's why, I mean, she certainly, you know, she's a, she was amazing looking and she could sing like a bird. And and I don't know why, you know, I, I put her with Cliff and, and Peter And then they they had uh, Peter Collins produce her her second record, and and we all hoped it would have done well, but, you know, it it just didn't do what everyone had, had hoped.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we only have a couple minutes, but I know this is probably an important thing you want to put out and you end the book talking about this, but you talk about your own struggles with health. You talk about your own struggles with mental health, therapy, all those things. And you also put a really important message at the end of the book about uh, suicide prevention and if you're struggling. And I know that was something that I thought that was great that you included that and closed the book out like that.
0: Well, you know, I talk about in the book how when I the only time I ever met Chris Cornell, I was driving him around with Ross in L.A. and Ross Azuna photo shoot. I'd never met Chris or anything, but during the course of this three or four hours we were together, me and him started talking, and Chris started telling me about how he was having really bad anxiety attacks, which I had had since I was fourteen. I'd never heard anyone else in a band, you know, tell tell me they had gone through the same thing. So I kind of like, you know, it, it hit me kind of like, Whoa, you know, there's this, you know, superstar frontman Chris Cornell, he's got the same thing. And then it wasn't too long after I met him, he committed suicide. And then, you know, I was a big fan of Anthony Bourdain and, and then Anthony Bourdain killed himself. And then Chester, I wasn't a big fan of or didn't know him or anything, but you know, he killed himself. And I used to sit there and say, "Look, I, I I don't understand, you know, how it can get so bad for somebody with depression that they would just end their life." And last year, when we were up on on tour with uh, Death Leopard in Canada, I had got off my anxiety medicine because I, I didn't want to take it anymore. You know, you don't want to take pills. I don't know about you, but I don't. I you know, it's like so. I got off this Paxil. And I was okay but once I, I got off it and I got up on tour up there in Canada all of a sudden not having that medicine which I'd been on for ten years threw me in this just really funk uh, depression and I wouldn't I would stay in my bunk the whole day and just get up to take a shower and play the show and then while I was on stage in Canada with supporting leopard in front of 20,000 people, I'd be having these anxiety attacks while I'm trying to play, right? And like the vision would get tunnel vision and all this shit. I'm freaking out. And at that point, I could understand maybe why someone, it would get so overwhelming for somebody that they, the only way out would be to end their life. Now, I'm not saying I ever contemplated suicide because I didn't but i understood it at that point if if i'm if i'm being clear
1: hey man um, that music means brian i hate to cut you off especially in this important conversation but i'm out of show they'll they'll clip me if i don't end on time so no, i'm sorry no worries but we're done man but that, i love that's the book why i put the number there for people you know get, i thought it was great it. i thought it was really important okay hey thank you so much best of luck with the book it's called son of a milkman hey, it's out tomorrow yo
0: Thanks for doing this for me, buddy. I appreciate it.
1: You got it, bro. I hope to see you soon. All the best. All right. Bye-bye. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, folks, support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? We all do these days, that's for sure. Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yep, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24 seven channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV, and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, we had to cut Brian off there at the end, because like I tell you all the time, these uh, interviews you hear on the podcast originally took place on my live Sirius XM radio show. And when the show's ending, it's ending. I gotta, gotta stop. Otherwise they clip me. So that's why we ended a little rush there at the end, but you got the gist of it. And, um, again, the book, I mean, we just scratched the surface. There's so much more in the book. If you are a Tesla fan, highly recommended. It is out now. Thank you all for listening to the podcast back for our first podcast of the new year next thursday for our next all new episode my thanks to katie irizari as always the producer of the podcast thank you for listening follow on social media again everybody happy new year thanks for your support check me out on volume sirius xm channel 106 and uh i'll catch you next year uh next year and here (laughs) next thursday for another edition take care